This call is being recorded. Welcome to an emergency podcast. I don't even know what to call it. It's not quite first voice. It's not quite the podcast. It's an emergency session that we brought together to talk about news. And we'll get to that news in a minute. But first, I want to introduce myself and our guest today. Myself, me, I'm the sub-adequate host, Jeremy Reisman, the managing editor over at PrideofDetroit.com, your Detroit Lions blog with everything you need with us. As always, I'm going to give him first billing this time because if I don't, he's going to get mad at me. Ryan Matthews is here at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, good evening. Thank you for giving me the admiration and the respect I deserve. <laughs> no problem. And uh, we do, we are missing Chris for yet another podcast. Three straight now. Hopefully uh, we get him back soon. But in his place, we brought someone for a very, uh, we probably haven't heard for his voice in a while. And if you're new to the podcast, you probably haven't heard it at all. But he's an editor for Pride of Detroit. He is the lover of all things fruit salad. Kyle Yost is with us tonight. Kyle, how are you doing? Doing well. You know, even though if my voice hasn't been on the podcast, uh, I, l- I would like to feel like I've been felt uh, in my absence. We, we drop in a good reference about you every now and then, and uh, you do feel like the podcast family, whether it's been a while or not. I appreciate I, that. I think, I think I probably talk about you the most because it's editors over everybody for me. Mm. <laughs> Um, but I mean, Chris, mi- I mean, Chris missing three straight podcasts. He's kind of like the Ziggy Ansa of podcasts. <laughs> that, you know what? I'm, that's fair. He's probably going to hear that and he might cut it out, but I don't care. Uh, but let's, let's get into it. Speaking of owner editors owning everything, there's a real, we brought reason we brought Kyle on, uh, for this emergency podcast is, and it's because a mere month ago, he wrote an article called why the Detroit Lions should trade Golden Tate. And it was not met with a lot of uh, pleasant responses, I'll say. And flash forward to October 30th, the Lions trade Golden Tate to the Philadelphia Eagles for a third-round pick. A lot of us are mad. A lot of us are are scratching our heads. Kyle Yost is not one of those people. Kyle Yost is in in it. He, He thinks this is a good move. So we brought him along to debate. And let's just get right into it. Um, I'm not going to give my initial reactions because I feel like I've been doing that all day. Someone else jump in here and tell me why it's a good or bad move. Kyle, you take the floor, man. (laughs) Well, I should say that even though I I thought that the Lions should make the move, it wasn't one that I actually thought they were going to. I still was pretty skeptical even around lunchtime today. So it was kind of a a pleasant surprise for myself. Um, In the article, I I quoted or I, I guess I argued a few different things but one of the the big pieces was what the compensation would be and I I would have liked the Lions to get a a second round pick at least in return for Tate but I totally understand the third which I think is going to be more valuable than whatever the Eagles wind up as a compensatory pick uh, following uh, in next season's draft and more than what I think the Lions would have gotten so it does look like a good move from that aspect and I get all the pain that comes with trading Tate but I think looking at this team right now, it just makes sense to to make the right decision in the long term. And I think that's what Bob Quinn and company were thinking today. Yeah, let, let's get – I don't want to get too far into the long-term and short-term implications because we're going to go two segments here, about 15 minutes each. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment. But I think, yeah, I mean, that's ultimately where this trade comes down for to a debate is – 
was the short-term pain worth the long-term benefit? And in my opinion, they weren't because I think this team was still in the running. I thought this defense was showing signs of improvement. I know last week wasn't great. I, I think the division's wide open enough where I think the Lions can make noise. And I expect this team to get better in the second half of the season. And so I wasn't ready to give up on this year. And, and we can debate whether this move means the Lions are giving up. And I think we'll get more into that in the second segment. But to give up on this season, in my opinion, for a third round pick to me is not worth the trade-off. And that's because I think sometimes we overvalue draft picks. I think we, we glorify them. We think, wow, think of all the potential we could have with this draft pick. But in reality, a third round draft pick hits 30, 40% of the time. And, And even when it hits, you're talking about at best a starter, most likely you're getting a rotational guy, a special teams guy, someone that's going to be a part of the team, but not essential to the team. And that's where, the disconnect, I think, is for me and some other people that are for this trade. Yeah, I uh, I, I get what you're saying, Jeremy, and I'm I'm pr- I'm pretty much there with you, like lock and step. There are a few things though that I want to address first and foremost. Um, as a fantasy owner of Golden Tate, I am furious <laughs> oh. because <laughs> he's, he's going to get a second bye week. This is ridiculous. He's okay, the anti Snacks okay. Harrison. Huh? He, Golden yeah, gets two by weeks and Stacks gets zero. How is that fair? Yeah, that's that's not fair at all. Uh, why we should have been able to like trade bye weeks with the Eagles too. Like they should have just not gotten a bye week. Can can we do that? Can we like get compensation? Can we work around the schedule like that? Probably not. Absolutely not. That's not how math works. But anyways, <laughs> for like the Golden Tate for for the trade for the trade like on the surface, like I, I I agree with you, Kyle. Like I wish the compensation would have been a little bit more. But I think if you look around the league, especially the other trade that was made. Um, not too long uh, before the Golden Trade or the Golden Tate trade was announced, was the Broncos sending Demarius Thomas to the Houston Texans, essentially netting a fourth round pick for the um, for the Broncos in return. Uh, they swapped seventh round picks as well. But I, I mean, I think Golden Tate's a better receiver than Demarius Thomas, so I don't think it's really fair to value them like as equal talents. And I think that if anything, Golden Tate is going to be a huge boon for the Eagles. Hopefully not so much that he improves their record too much off that four and four mark. But um, I, I, I truly think that like what the lions got was probably, probably really fair. Like I think if anything, if it would have been anything less than a third round pick, I would have been kind of perturbed. Uh, but at the end of the day, let's, let's consider some of the other things though. Like, I mean, we're not going to talk about short-term long-term benefits until after the break, but what about the fact that, you know, whether it was lip service or not, Golden Tate was talking to Dave Burkett yesterday about how him and the Lions were making, you know, making strides on a on a contract extension. Is it possible that the Lions got a third round pick? The Eagles are going to rent Golden Tate for, you know, they're going to rent Golden Tate for however many games they have him for the rest of the year, and then he comes back to be a Lion? Man, I, I would take everything that I've talked about in the past 24 hours and eat those words, print them out and eat them. Not, not literally guys. So don't actually do that. Cause I know people have actually had that happen to them and I don't want to be one of those people, but I, that would be a gangster move by Bob Quinn if you were to pull that off, but I don't think there's any chance. I'm not saying that the lines burned a bridge with, with golden tape by all, accounts Tate understands that's part of the business and he had a really nice kind of send off to the Lions organization and its fans um 
which is more than we, than we can say about some other former players who may continue to trash the Lions organization in Instagram comments, but I won't name any names, Ebron. Um, but... <laughs> You could, you're going to drop that one right there, huh, Jeremy? <laughs> oh, a little drop pun. Uh, love it. Anyways, I forgot my <laughs> full point at this point, but let me also just kind of throw my hand in the ring and saying that I think third round is is appropriate. I don't like the trade still, but I think third round is, is about what the value was for someone like Golden Tate on this market. Um, I just don't think the line should have been sellers. Well, one of the, the the one of the reasons that I was in favor of moving Tate is just because I don't think it's a wise decision to re-sign him just given the amount of money he's likely to command. He absolutely is is not fading away at this point in his career as some might expect from a player his age. Uh, I think we all see just the the yak he racks up every time he touches the ball and his value is pretty well known through the NFL. And so he's going to command a decent sized contract. And we've already seen how he celebrates on Twitter every time another wide receiver gets a big payday. So it's, it's unlikely to think that even if he had stayed, that he would be willing to take a hometown discount. So I'm actually pretty uh, happy to see another side of Bob Quinn over the, the past week, just with both of these trades and the activity that, he's had during the drafts and, and really being a, a proactive GM. I don't think making transactions for the sake of transactions is beneficial to a team, but I think the Lions fans should be encouraged to see that they have a GM that's willing to play out the market, willing to um, kind of change the status quo and not just stick with what they have as compared to, to maybe past regimes. And, you know, as much as we don't want to talk about that team in in Boston and in, in emulating every single thing they do, um, the Patriots have found success by um, making moves on their roster and, and not being afraid to um, switch some of their higher profile players. Yeah, and and I do think it's it's worth pointing out that this is a very new phenomenon with the Lions. We aren't used to seeing trades like this. Um, and you know. Eric Schlitt over at Lineswear had a good point. This is this is something we might need to get used to is that players of value on their last year of a deal might get shipped. I mean, it happened all the time in New England. It was how they they kind of ran things and it could hurt in the short term. It could hurt in the long term. We don't really know. Um, the Patriots managed to make it work in both somehow. Uh, obviously, I think that's the goal for the Lions. I don't think they're going to give up on the season so, per se, but they certainly made it tougher for themselves, but it, it is new and it's going to take some getting used to. And I'm, I'm admittedly not used to it yet. And at the same time, I just, I don't think this is an emotional thing with me as much as I love golden team. I love ta- hearing him talk in the locker room and all that stuff, getting through all that. I still think this is just not the right time for a move like this. And I, and I think part of my disagreement with you, Kyle, is that fact that I don't think it should have been a done deal that, Tate was gone after this year and I get that it was going to cost the Lions a lot more money than they were spending on him before, but the Lions are going to have a lot of cap room to, to deal with next year. I'm not certain he would take a hometown discount either, but I'm not say, I'm not certain that he's going to be getting hugely paid. I think he could have been had for three years, 36 million or something like that. And then you try to form the contract in a way where if it's not quite working, if he finally does hit that well, maybe you can get out of that final. And maybe that's not something that the Golden Tate is willing to accept. And maybe the Lions knew that since they've 
almost certainly talk to him about an extension at this point. Maybe they know, like, ooh, this isn't going to work out. Tate's playing hardball. Maybe that's where they're at, and they're like, all right, well, we got to trade him then. And if that's the case, maybe I'll feel a little bit better when Tate signs a five-year, $80 million contract in the offseason. But right now, I'm, I'm, I'm not too happy. I get that, and it's. It, I think it's totally fair for people to be a little disgruntled because I think that they're probably going to more so sit in your camp than than not, Jeremy, because they do view the season as still within within reach. Because I mean, we talked about it on the podcast, you know, yesterday that the Lions, while they may not be sitting too pretty for the wild card, they definitely still have a shot at the division. And you know, the Packers were a team that they unloaded some some pieces. I mean, they got rid of Ty Montgomery, probably to the chagrin of everybody in in Green Bay, but they also traded uh haha Clinton Dix. And and that was another example of a guy who I mean, he was on the last year of his deal. Like, so I, I, I agree with you. I think that maybe this might become more common practice. This has been such common practice in, in other leagues. Like if you look at the NBA, like the NBA was a, was, you know, I mean, it's made a living off of the trade deadline being one of the most interesting things that happens. And one of the most routine things that happens is players getting traded on expiring contracts. And I think the NFL just might be catching up to speed. Because I truly like, I mean, we haven't seen deals like this at this clip trading players that are recognizable names like Demarius Thomas and Golden Tate and Damon Harrison and haha Clinton Dix. Like this, this is an awful lot of activity for something that usually would come and go without so much as a whimper. Like the rumors would persist, but nothing would ever happen. So I, I for one, am, am just kind of intrigued by the idea of teams being a little bit more willing to trade and to kind of talk to Kyle's point about, you know, this is kind of how, you know, things kind of were handled in Boston. Like you look at like Jamie Collins being traded to the Browns, Um, you know, even uh, I believe Chandler Jones was traded as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure sure if he was a trade deadline guy, but regardless, I mean like the, the Patriots are not shy. They, 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 they've never shied away from trading players, especially even players that are contributors. And that's, that can definitely be said about golden Tate. And I, I think the one last thing I want to mention is that I think the emergence of carry on Johnson as an offensive skill position player really probably had some type of effect on like why this trade was able to go down. But we, we I, I can get to that a little bit later. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. And, and just to kind of close up this thing, I, I think you bring up a really interesting point about how this might become the new norm in the NFL. And clearly we have to adjust our expectations because now we've been wrong on back-to-back podcasts about trade deadline Did, stuff. Didn't I, didn't I jinx it last night? I tried to say that yeah. nothing would happen, so something would happen. Yeah, no, it was my fault. I said nothing would happen. But in, in fairness, we weren't the only one in the Detroit media who said, don't expect Golden Tate to get traded. I think that was kind of the going theory, especially since NFL Network has kind of been sketchy with, with some of their sources surrounding the Lions. But we were wrong. I think a lot of people are wrong, but we were wrong back-to-back weeks. And and we got to adjust because maybe the NFL trade, trade deadline is, is suddenly an event now because it hasn't been in the past, but it certainly was this year. So let's close out this first segment. When we get when we come back, we're going to talk about just that, the implications of what this means for the Detroit Lions offense, for what the Detroit Lions 2018 team is the season over. Do we give up? Is this team going 3-13 and 13 now? And then what does it mean going forward? What does it mean for the 2019 draft and beyond? So we're going to get into that when we come back.
back for the Pride of Detroit emergency podcast here with Kyle Yost and Ryan Matthews, both from Pride of Detroit, as you probably already know. Let's get into it. Let's, you know, let's start with the idea that the season is over because I've already said that a couple of times on this podcast and I kind of feel that way. Um, the Lions, obviously, they're still in the division race. They're still just a game behind. They're 1-0 in division play. And what is it? Three of their next four games are, are divisional games. And so the Lions just severely shorthanded themselves as they're getting into this conference and division race, this playoff race. Do they have a shot in hell anymore or is it over? I mean, even though I was a proponent of trading Tate and, and getting picks for next year, I actually don't think that the offense is completely doomed. Um, okay. For his greatest for as great as Tate has been, I, there's been games over the past few years where he hasn't done a whole lot and that's been okay. Mm-hmm. Or he hasn't done a whole lot and, you know, maybe he wasn't needed. And I, I, I say that, I guess, with the sense that the Lions' strength for so long has been their skill players. And there's still two top 30 receivers on this team. There's a running back who looks like he's well on his way to being, you know, one of the, the better backs in this league. and um, you know, Theo Riddick getting healthy um, should give Matthew Stafford plenty of options on offense. And so while Tate will hurt, I don't think that the Lions offense is completely done just with the absence of one player. Brian, what do you think? Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I mean, I kind of alluded to it before the break, but I, I really think that the emergence of Carrion Johnson as, as, a, as a talent, as a producer, as just a viable guy to get the ball and let him do things, whether it's in the passing game, um, he's shown ability to do that in the screen game. But also, obviously, you know, running the ball, it, it's kind of become a little bit more of the Lions' identity. It 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 was more so in like the Patriots game and the Dolphins game, obviously, where you know we saw the Lions run the ball just as much, if not more, than than throw the ball. So I think with that becoming part of the norm. I think that it didn't make I don't want to I don't want to ever label Golden Tate as being expendable because I think that he's an incredible talent and that should never that should never go by the wayside. He's the Yak King. He is he's he's just he's just an impressive wide receiver who definitely had a role on this team. I mean, he was the team's de facto slot receiver and he's one of the best in the league. But I think that I I I don't want to say the timing is a little conspicuous, but like look at last week against Seattle. Kenny Galladay gets one target. And I think that that is so bizarre that he just, he gets one single target. And then I know it's the trade deadline and you know, the, the planets kind of aligned, but now golden Tate is out of town. And I don't want to say that that's Bob Quinn trying to, you know, force a, you know, a square peg into a round hole. But like, I, I just I just perceive Kenny Galladay, he he deserves to be so much more a part of this offense because when he is, I, I mean, I, I have an article coming out about it tomorrow, um, and I guess today by the time people are listening to this. So, um, I, I mean, I, I would like you to check that out and kind of look at some of the numbers that I was able to dig up to to see what Kenny Galladay's value is and, and how, you know, maybe the Lions won't miss Tate as much as some people think they will. Well, here's here's the problem I have. There's, there's twofold. One is that I don't think the answer to losing Golden Tate is making this team a running team all of a sudden. And I know you're not saying make them a run, run first team to make them more balanced, but you're paying Matthew Stafford for a reason, and you're paying Kenny Galladay for a reason, you're paying Marvin Jones for a reason, and I guess you're not paying Golden Tate anymore for some reason. But you have all these offensive weapons, and this team is most dangerous when they're throwing the ball. Um, 
And sure, they needed to be more balanced, but I don't quite understand why taking a dimension out of your passing game helps this offense. And obviously, I don't think they think it helps the offense, but I think they think it helps the overall team in the long term. And my other bigger problem here is that, yes, I think we'd like to see Kenny Galladay become a bigger part of this offense, but I think what made this offense dangerous to begin with was just the amount of ways they could beat you. And we talk all the time about how the Lions like to change their game plan based on their matchups. Well, Kenny Galladay isn't going to be a good matchup every week. Sometimes you're going to need a a shifty guy who can get yards over the middle, and that's where Golden Tate steps in. And that's why we see so much variance with these receivers and their production week by week is because they find vulnerabilities based on the skill players that they have and the skill players that the other guys have. Now the Lions have two outside threats. Who do they have over the middle? Nobody. I mean, Kenny Galladay can take on that role, and I know that I'm I'm more than teasing your article a little bit, but you'd expect, I don't know, maybe if this move might be possible if the Lions had a good tight end. They don't. You'd think it might be a move if they have another guy like Golden Tate who has experience and can play the exact kind of role that he does. I'm sorry, TJ Jones isn't that guy. Neither is Brandon Powell. Golden Tate was a weapon that defenses had to account for, and it opened up opportunities for other people. Now I think they're severely hurt by his his absence. They're going to have to change their scheme, I think, in a huge way. And I think it might start with just abandoning three wide receiver looks, to be honest. I think we might see a lot of two wide receiver looks. And and to the Lions' credit, when they went two wide receiver looks, uh, Golden Tate was off the field. So he was – in a way, getting phased out in that way. He certainly wasn't phased out of the offense in any sort of way. But that means the Lions are going to have to adjust. They're going to have to either put out a couple tight ends, which I'm not exactly thrilled about, or maybe they could do two running backs, which is something I might be able to get behind. But I need to see it first. Like This just seems like it requires such a big in-season adjustment that I don't understand the move, and I think it's going to drastically impact them this year. I want to, Kyle, let me ask you a question, and I'm not even sure if you're totally ready to respond to it because it's kind of off the wall. But sure. <laughs> don't sound too thrilled. Um, but what, what, what about entertaining the idea of like playing like Theo Riddick in the slot? I mean, I'm all for that. And just a, this is kind of a, a misleading statistic, perhaps, but do you guys know what Golden Tate's production has been in the three wins that the Lions have this season? He's he's averaging five catches, five catches for 49 yards. That's his average in those three games. So like Jeremy's saying, there's so much that he does that doesn't show up in the stats in terms of making defenses scheme around him. But that's easily production that can be replaced by somebody like a Theo Riddick or even a Michael Roberts in, in combination. I just don't think that the team is going to be so hamstrung that they can't replace at least part of the value that Tate was bringing. When, when the team was most effective, it was kind of pounding the ball forward more than we've seen in the past. It's by getting a little more creative with um, with their pass catchers. And, you know, I think, Jeremy, you were saying on the podcast earlier this week that you're actually okay with who Jim Bob Cooter has been this year. And I think this is a chance for him to to kind of prove his creativity by utilizing the, uh, the assets that remain on the roster. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's certainly under a bunch of pressure for these – final two months of the season. And I just want to say, like, if the Cowboys kicker misses that field goal, those stats look a lot different. 
That, that's absolutely true. Tate, Tate had huge games against Dallas and uh, San Francisco, I believe. But I think that speaks more to the times that he's being utilized more is when the when Stafford was forced to throw the ball a ton in, in games that the Lions are, are behind. If the you don't think that's going to happen? Well, um, if the team can can move more towards the identity that I think that we can see that they've been trying to attain, which by focusing so much on the offensive line and by bringing in a couple of running backs this offseason, not to be a run-heavy team, but to be a team that can run more than we've seen from the Lions in the past few years, then I think that they – they open up a different type of uh, ty- a different type of offense than we saw during Tate's first half of his time with the Lions, and so I don't. I think that naturally, kind of like Ryan was saying, the the timing looks a little bit um, suspect, I guess, or the timing looks kind of to be perfectly aligned with the changes that the team wants to make. Is my feeling on that. I want to say, yeah, so real quick, the one, the one other thing I want to bring up is I agree with you, Jeremy, that, you know, if, if, a, if a kick goes the other way, if the, you know, if Tracy Walker's, you know, interception return for a touch or almost for a touchdown doesn't get called back, you know, those, those Tate stats look a lot different. Um, and I also agree. I also agree with Kyle and what he's saying with, you know, maybe the, with, you know, the, just the, the downs and the situations and, and things like that, you know, Tate is called on a little bit more in those situations. However, like I am totally in agreement that I think that the lions, like, I, haven't we been saying this though? Like when they drafted Ragna, when they moved up to get carry on, when they drafted Tyrell Crosby, when they drafted a flipping fullback in the draft, like they want to run the football and, and in the, in the most convincing wins, I, I think we can all be in agreement on this. I, I know we all have our feelings about golden Tate, but in the two most convincing wins that this team has had this season, it has to be the Patriots game and it has to be the dolphins game. Like those two games, it felt like the lions were definitely in like, like those felt like really good wins. It felt like they deserved to win those games. I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to win the Packers game, but it didn't. It, I mean, it never felt totally within within reach, um, even though the Lions were up. And at the same time, and, but what did those two games have in common? Like they ran the ball super effectively. They controlled the ball like in a way that we haven't seen them been able to do in in, in you know however many years. So I I think that that. It, I, I I go back to this point multiple times over. I don't want to say that Golden Tate's ever expendable, but I think that with the direction that this roster wanted to go in, getting a third round pick for him is a is a pretty good get. All right, before we move on to uh, what they are going to do uh, with that third round pick and maybe beyond, um, I want to kind of go back to the question that I started this segment out because I don't know if I got a straight answer out of both you guys. Do you think the Lions can? Do you think that the Lions will contend? for this division into December? And are you okay with your, with whatever your answer is? I, I'll go, I'll go first and I'll say yes, because Kenny Galladay hype train. I'm so in, I'm so on board. Let's go. Let's go. Choo choo. I'm ready. <laughs> Kyle. Um, I'll say no. And, and the reason is I don't, I don't believe in the defense at all. I think the offense will be, will take a small step back, but I think it'll be fine. But I just don't believe in the defense. And I think the record is, is a little deceiving right now. Okay. And, and clearly you are okay with that being the case in terms of how this trade played out. I am. Okay. And also from, I mean, from, from a much more realistic standpoint too, like I, I, I agree with Kyle that the defense is the problem and trading golden sure. Tate, trading golden Tate doesn't hurt the defense. 
Right. All right, let's, uh, let's quickly move to the future here. Um, the Lions also made kind of an interesting move that kind of had optimism peak back up for a minute or two. They, they, uh, they renegotiated Marvin Jones's contract. They, what do you call it? I can't even think of the word right now. Restructured it? They restructured it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, saving themselves, I think, a couple million in cap space. Um, people thought now lines have somewhere around 8 million in cap space. Maybe they do something with it with another trade. Didn't end up happening. But anyways, now it seems like they probably have Marvin Jones locked up for a couple of years because now it comes a little bit harder to cut him without incurring a big cap hit. Um, obviously, Kenny Galladay is going to be a big part of this offense. But where do you guys see the trajectory of this team now that, that Golden Tate isn't part of it? I mean, I think a lot of people thought Golden Tate wasn't going to be a part of the team anyways going forward, and now at least the Lions have a third-round pick for them. But are they going? Are they looking for a Golden Tate replacement? Do they have one on the roster right now? Um, or are they, like you were kind of hinting at before, are they kind of going away from that and maybe just kind of being a more balanced two-wide receiver team? Well, I think we can probably safely say that there's no Golden Tate replacement on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just given the the top heaviness of the position group, I think that's fine. I don't think that the line should have had a contingency plan for Golden Tate in place, but it's gonna it's going to be probably a, a little bit of a tryout period for someone like T.J. Jones over the the latter half of the season. But ultimately, I I don't think he's their long term solution. I know that you mentioned still having some hope that he could take can make a return to Detroit next year. But I think there's actually a, a decent number of slot type receivers that will be available on the market for probably half the price. And, and some of the names out there aren't too exciting um, in terms of the level of Tate, but grabbing someone like a Chris Hogan or a Cole Beasley or a, a John Brown for a fraction of the price could still be helpful enough to the Lions overall offense where the, the loss of Tate is almost completely mitigated. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Do you think the Lions go wide receiver early in this draft potentially? I'm not sure about early right now. I mean, what the Lions sit with nine picks now because they had eight after the snacks Harrison trade. That sounds right. Yeah. 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 I believe not. So they've re they've recouped their third round pick that they had to trade um, in order to move up to get carry on. So they have a first, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and I believe two six and two sevens um, because they traded one of their fifths to, to get Harrison. So um, I, I think with that kind of ammunition, I think that maybe they can wait. Um, according to CBS Sports, um, they have, I think, 15 wide receivers that are in the top 94 prospects. So with that, with that much wide receiver talent, I think that they might be able to get somebody later on in the draft. And I, I don't think that it necessarily has to be like a first round pick. I would actually prefer, obviously if they go like defensive line, just because that seems to be like what this, you know, draft class is really producing. There's an awful lot of defensive talent at the top of the draft. So I, I would prefer they, they go that route. Um, but there are, there are quite a few um, interesting prospects that are out there for sure. So um, I, I think that they, I think they, they, I mean, I think they would probably address it maybe even I would say day two. I would give that the old Ryan Matthews bold prediction. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting though, because wide receiver is one of those positions where I feel like a team should be drafting every year. And the Lions really haven't been doing that too much too, too much lately. 
Um, I don't think wide receiver jumps to the top of the needs list. I still think there's a bunch, and we were talking about it last podcast. You know, the team still needs an edge rusher. They might need another cornerback. I didn't even mention it last time, but they might need a right guard as well. Um, so I, I don't think what a safety, a safety for sure. Glover Quinn, uh, getting up there in age might not be with the team next year. Um, but yeah, I, I do think wide receiver is, could be a potential day two target. Um, if not day three, but I'm hoping that they don't spend a, a first round pick on it, but it, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Cause I, while I, I can see this offense being kind of more of that, two wide receiver set they need something else they need a third weapon and i don't think it's going to come out of the backfield so i think it either comes as a really good slot guy or it comes as a tight end and that's another potential need in in the draft because i think we're all pretty certain at this point that a a big tight end threat is not currently on the rosters is even the the biggest michael roberts homers uh, i don't think are, are expecting those sort of things out of him so all right. Uh, before we close this thing out, I want to just kind of gauge your guys' reaction over the past two weeks because it has been a whirlwind of a season for the Lions. But going from getting snacks last week to losing Tate this week, it's pretty disorienting, I think, at least for me. And I just, I, I guess, I want your overall opinion on on those two thing, those two transactions combined. Do they mesh together well for you? Does it feel like the Lions were trying to have their cake and eat it too by being both buyers and sellers? Or or how do you view these two transactions together as a combo? Well, I think they actually work in perfect harmony. And, and I think the reason why is because the Snacks move was not really a win-now move. I think at the time it kind of looked like, you know, the Lions are coming off a big win against the Dolphins. They're making this move to shore up one of the weakest parts of the team. This Everything is is looking great. But in terms of the events of today and kind of looking at the bigger picture, it's pretty clear to me at least that this was a move that Bob Quinn made opportunistically seeing that the giants were looking to potentially sell off some parts. Obviously it didn't really turn out that way, but with the move of Eli Apple and and with snacks, it it was clear that they're they're ready to kind of turn the page. And so he saw an opportunity to grab a a great player that's under contract for a couple of years for a pretty cheap price. Uh, Well, for a pretty, pretty cheap uh, compensation. And he was willing to make that move. And so even though it does affect the team in a positive way right now, I wouldn't call that a win now move. I would call that a move for uh, the next two years. Is that how you see it too, Ryan? Yeah, I think, I think we can, I, I touched on it a little bit um, in, I think our first bite podcast from a week ago when we touched on the Harrison trade like this is a trade that it's going to pay dividends for you know the next couple of years if they choose to do so because it doesn't seem like Damon Harrison is is slowing down anytime soon I think that the shelf life for interior defensive linemen like that is a little bit longer than than some of your other players um just because of the nature of the position I mean you still see guys like even Ricky G Ricky Jean Francois like being being productive in spurts. Um, and I know, obviously I'm not trying to say that Damon Harrison could take like a nosedive in terms of production and talent like that. Um, and still carry the, the, you know, the price tag that he would and the lions would be on board with that. But uh, what I'm, what I'm saying is that Damon Harrison, that deal made a lot of sense because the lions had an extra pick. It was a fifth round pick. 
it goes it, it, it from your article today, Jeremy, and I'll plug it right now. But I think the film study of the Seahawks game just went to show like what Damon Harrison is going to be able to do for this run defense. And he was just getting his feet wet. He had played on Monday night and was just getting acclimated with a new team. Things should only kind of go up from here. And the Seahawks have a pretty good run defense, so or pretty good running game. So um, the Damon Harrison trade, these trades, they both they both make sense. They both make sense. They they were value trades. Yeah, let me let me just be a little stat boy really quick. Uh, I think you were inaccurate in saying that the Lions are going to get him for two and a half years. They're only going to get him for two years because they're going to trade him when he's on his last year of his deal. A trade deadline because they just do that with their good players now. <laughs> all right, there, there. I'm <laughs> I'm <laughs> all here for that. It's, it's time. <laughs> all right. Well, why don't you throw your uh, why the Lions should trade Damon Snacks Harrison article in in the hopper and we'll get it ready for two years from now. How about that? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for our emergency podcast. Uh, we will be here in two days with our first bite po- podcast, talking about some divisional games. Hopefully, you guys will still be around listening because there's still a lot of football going to be played. And while we've lost a little excitement about the the 2018 season, we it's still football. Like, get excited while it's still here because it's better than no football, right? We can all agree on that, right? Yeah, and I think we can all agree on one other thing, too. What's that? Butt flip forever. Oh, butt flip forever. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.